In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I welcome all of you here today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. People of God, will you stand with me for the call to worship? The Lord is king. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is the Lord. Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness today. Extol the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is God. good company when we ask ourselves why we do things that are unjust or things that are hurtful or petty or just wrong. Paul was as mystified by his own behavior as we are sometimes at ours. So it's for just such a time that we can come before the Lord and lay our weary souls into the lap of God's grace. Let's go to God together in confession. Loving God, Many of us have come to the field late in the day and enjoyed your generosity. 
Forgive us, Lord, when we do not forward that same generous grace to others. Forgive us when we feel proprietary of the gifts intended for all people. Convict our arrogant hearts, dear Savior, when we make demands for more, even as we experience such abundance. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. We surrender to you all that keeps us from loving you, loving others, and living our lives with humility, gratitude, and joy. Amen. You know, confession is only words strung together in sentences without repentance. Repentance is a changing, being transformed. So this is a brand new day, my friends, a brand new day, a day for us to start all over. We have confessed, and now let's continue our lives changed. For I declare to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. of Christ be with you. Even as we prepare to greet one another, we let our Sunday school kids, fifth grade and, and younger, go, be excused to their classes, as well as our kids, fifth grade and up, to their uh, youth group. So why don't we turn and greet one another with a good morning and God bless. It feels good to be together. The Lord is good, and what a joy it is to be in community and in worship together. Friends, this morning I would uh, like to just take an opportunity, first of all, to welcome our guest preacher today, Jerry Andrews. So nice to have you here today. I know that Jerry has uh, been with us before, and in fact, he was casing the joint last week. So we were glad to have you with us. But it's so nice to have uh, someone who is willing to share the message with us. And we'd also like to uh, welcome our guest music director. No, not today. I'd like to welcome our, our guest music director, Juan Acosta. I don't know why. Sorry, Juan. He's been gone a while. I didn't know. But it's good to have you with us. <laughs>
Anyway, it's good to be it's good to be together and to welcome our also our summer choir. So welcome to all of you. It's good to have you with us too. You know, part of being in the community is to be aware really of what is happening in the life of church so that we can find places to connect and to grow and to serve. So I'd just like to lift up a couple of things to you. You might have already seen a couple of trucks in our parking lot out here collecting a whole bunch of great stuff. And our uh, mission team and our youth are loading up that truck even as we speak with all the treasures that so many of you shared uh, to restock the Safari Seconds thrift shop that uh, benefits the Alliance for African Assistance. And it's just such a great way to have Christmas in July, to be able to give a gift that just keeps on giving. And I know that it might be too late to donate that lamp to the truck, but it's not too late to write a check or to take that lamp down to uh, the second safari. So make it a trip that is a lot of fun and also um, write a check. And let's see what we can do for this wonderful ministry. And then to let you know, our Village Church uh, youth have committed themselves to being a part of the Ladle Fellowship downtown the first Sunday of every month. And the next time that they're going to be going downtown will be on August 6th. And while they're there, they participate in food and beverage services. They uh, sort clothes. They do property check-in. They uh, get wheelchairs for people and assistance. It's a wonderful enterprise for our, our kids to be a part of because they meet people that have incredible stories. And they also are seeing what God is doing in the midst of something that may seem like a very hard circumstance. So if you know of anybody who is middle school and, and high school that would really benefit from being a part of such an enterprise, let them know August 6th, the youth group will be going down to Ladle Fellowship downtown. And now I would ask that you still your hearts and let the words and music inspire you to praise and worship our wonderful God.
We have been led into a place of prayer. We have been led into a moment where we can calm everything that we brought with us into the sanctuary. Let it sit and know that for a time you're being held in God's arms. Let's go to God in prayer. Your mercy, Lord, spreads its wings across the vast divide of our discontent, and we rest in the shadow of your care. And we ask ourselves, why, divine carrier of abundant blessings, do we continue to grumble and grouse? It doesn't feel good, Lord. It really doesn't. To be ungrateful or callous, to be demanding or jealous of all that you provide. And sometimes it makes us wonder if you ever grow tired of us. Do you never grow weary of starting from the beginning with our understanding, of training us to crawl and walk and fly, and then teaching us to give and share and trust and doing it over and over and over again? And still there are times when we don't listen but no, you don't sleep or you grow weary of our childishness and you instead enfold us as a mother holds her newborn baby. And if we, your creation, hold our own little ones with such love and patience, with a knowing eye and an understanding spirit, how much more you provide for us. So you are patient and loving, and you love us into growing past the barriers that hold us back from being your people. O Lord of the fields and the field workers, master of the land and the seas and the skies, help us to fly and cast your wide shadow of mercy across the land, or quite frankly, Lord, just across the street However far you would have us hurl our wing of prayer and aid and care, Lord, let our hearts burn to follow like a comet that streaks across the heavens, its course straight and true. Help us to want to follow you. Spirit of justice, there are those who are waiting for us those who are waiting for us, those who have no cup of cool water to ease their thirst, those who have no crust of bread to ease their hunger and they're waiting. There are those who do not know the beauty of silence because the noise of bombs and violence, rage and torment. Those who have no safe place to call home and those who have never known grace or love or compassion and even those around the world, God, who, who are running for their lives from fires that sweep across the globe, they're waiting for us. They're waiting for our hand, our heart, our action. You heard our cries so long ago, Savior, and you came into the world vulnerable and willing. You taught and you healed and you spoke in the name of love and against human cruelty and folly, and against circumstances. You were a salve to a hurting world and a thorn to injustice. And then you conquered all that would silence you for who we are 2,000 years later, continuing to speak 
as your body in the world, and we will speak and pray and sing. We will trust and share and serve, and when we don't, your grace will surround us and lift us and teach us once again. So we ask today, O oh God, that you would help us to spread the wings of your mercy across the vast divide of human discontent until all of us, every single one of us, rest in the shadow of your care. And we pray as one body the prayer that Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. People of God, let us release our hearts to be humble and generous and trusting of all that God has provided, even as we return a portion of God's gifts.
reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one's hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Um, Am I not allowed to choose to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. I'm a friend of Jack's. I say that first because I know that recommends me to you. (laughs) Jack and I have been friends since uh, before I came 14 years ago to be the pastor of the First Presbyterian Church downtown and have recently retired from it. Jack and I were friends before he came as your pastor 25 years ago. Indeed, I was friends with a former pastor, Dan Myers, who came about 35 or so years ago. Put all that together and it means I'm old. (laughs) Jack and Helen have been uh, precious to Lois and I through the years and um, in our family's darkest hour when it looked like we were going to lose our son. Jack and Helen were with us, standing with us and kneeling and praying with us and the Lord answered prayers. My son is 50 and flourishing and um, all is well. I came last week, yes, to case out the joint, but it was to worship with you and to meet some friends again. And, and frankly, it was to see how difficult it was going to be to stand in Jack's pulpit and preach in his place. So I heard Jack preach. I was greatly relieved. <laughs> That was mean, and I enjoyed it. (laughs) My wife would be with me today, but she's in Beirut, Lebanon, with the Outreach Foundation, on which board she is, and Jack is chairman of the board there. So we are being watched uh, not only around the country, I would suspect, but also in Lebanon this morning. The sermon, 
biblical art, theological acumen, pastoral advice, if you're willing to hear it from me. Now, the reason why a pastor would give you the outline of the sermon before it begins may be an act of kindness to let you know what's coming, but you've already figured out I'm not that kind. That's, that's just to remind me of the sermon that I think I'm going to preach. The biblical art is the biblical art of telling stories that engage everyone immediately and intimately. The master was a master at this art. Jesus will take the eternal ways of God, mysterious as they are. You don't know them, I don't know them. And by narrative comparison, show us in our everyday, well-known lives, God's ways. And often, the place in our life is the workplace. So it is in this parable. But our workplace ways change over the centuries, and it was different in Jesus' day than in ours in some ways. In the ancient world, food production and food consumption needed to be near each other. There not being the transportation forms that would allow fresh crops to remain flesh, fresh and get at any distance quickly or to refrigerate at all, the food needed to be grown where it was going to be eaten, harvest and table near each other. So the laborers who cultivated and harvested the fields needed to live near the wealthy villas and on the edges of the town that would eat their crops. Which means during the course of the day, the length of the day, the very wealthy, the day laborers, and all the stewards and managers in between would share the day. There wouldn't be a distance, there would be proximity and relationship. Into that workplace, Jesus talks about God's presence and God's ways. The landowner in this story, a vintner, would go to a place early in the morning, select however many workers were needed. They wouldn't know before the day began if they would be selected, and then employ them for the course of the day. If selected, they would work, of course, and at the end of the day, they'd have enough to eat and share with their family. If passed over, they would remain idle and not have anything to show for it at the end of the day. All depended on the landowner's selection at the day's beginning. Now in this story, the landowner, God, clearly, is present and active throughout, recruiting by calling and inviting and negotiating at the day's beginning, then engaged with supervising by monitoring and adjusting throughout the course of the day, and then rewarding and explaining and justifying the rewards at the end of the day. The Bible teaches this full engagement of God often elsewhere. God at first calls us to join him in his mission. Remember, the church does not have a mission in the world. The missionary God has a church in the world. It's God's mission, and he invites us to join him on it. And throughout life and labor, God abides with us. And then finally, at the life's end, God rewards us. Jesus says, come follow me. Lo, I am with you always. And at the end of our days, well done, good and faithful servant. Grape harvesting is very time sensitive. You may know this. Perfectly ripened grape have a short season. 
In the Middle East, the work day begins at 6, lasts 12 hours, and ends at 6 year-round. It's a long day. But there may be only one best day to harvest the grape. The vintner goes out, calls the first workers at dawn, as Jesus tells the story. Knowing the work will not be done by the day's end with only these workers, he returns to the labor pool at 9, then again at 12. Then, surprisingly, again at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, finally, curiously, he goes back out at 5 to get more workers. Work is done by 6. The last called worked only an hour. This is an extraordinary attempt to call everyone to the harvest as if all working was as high a value as all the work getting done. Then the twist, the unanticipated, the uniquely divine, the heavenly above the earthly, now being seen in it. Neither we nor they saw it coming. Some worked all day, yes. Others came later. Some worked only an hour, but all received the same wage, a full day's wage. The unexpected here is the unexplained until the landowner's justice being questioned answers with the justification of his generosity. The justification speaks of his rule and his responsive righteousness. Is this not my field? Are these not my workers? May I not do as I choose? And have I not been more than fair and generous with all of you? The all-day workers had grumbled. Perhaps grumbling still, the owner says to them, take your pay and go. You can detect the tone, the dismissal of disappointment, the disappointment of dismissal. It's painful for us to identify with the all-day workers, but I think we must be open to it. The last-minute workers are silent. What is there to say? The owner has given them more than their just reward. There's been gift. It surprised them. It leaves them speechless. The joy of an unexpected generosity. Can we identify with the late arrivals? I think we're invited to do that, too. Let me tell a story. My father's an electrician. On the weekends, he would work his own small business as an electrical contractor, and we would go down to the corner of Eight Mile and Livernois at the edge of Detroit, and we would pick up day laborers. One or two, sometimes three or four, mostly black, all of them poor, would jump in the back of the pickup with me, and dad would take us to the place at work. We would dig trenches by hand. I want to repeat that. Dig trenches by hand. Uh, lay conduit, pull wire. I thought it was hard work. I thought the days were long. But at the end of the day, yes, full day's pay, always in cash. And it would always be a full day, even if the work wasn't full day. You don't take a man off of the all-day market, and even though the work is only half a day, give him a half a day at pay. That's, that can't be right. But my dad would offer, if you're willing, I'll drive you home not back to Eight Mile in Livernois. We'll stop at a grocery store along the way. With additional monies, I'll help you buy some groceries to be taken home. That's my dad's family values. 
Also part of my dad's values, you wouldn't be buying any alcohol at the grocery store or anywhere else, frankly. Some accepted, many accepted the offer. They saw it as generous. They'd have more than they bargained for, more than they had anticipated, and my dad would have the additional joy of this man was bringing home his earnings to his family, and they would profit from it. Not everyone accepted the offer. What I would remember, in part, was the look on the men's face standing, nobody would be caught sitting early in the morning, who were not invited to jump in the back of the pickup. Another opportunity gone. And they would need to begin to rehearse the speech, no doubt told many times in the evening. I wasn't hired today. I also knew that part of my dad's project was to teach me the sheer joy of all-day manual labor. <laughs> my dad failed in that mission. <laughs> Here I am. But without saying it, I knew part of the mission was he took joy in my company and I learned joy in his, no matter the activity. Every parable has three audiences. The first are those who hear Jesus tell the story first time around. Wouldn't you love to be there? Jews and Gentiles are gathered. Those who had been God's chosen people through the century, now a couple of millennia, and Roman occupiers, Greek merchants, Near Eastern tradespeople just showed up that day, didn't know anything about the long history of the people of God or the, the intimacy and will and ways and word of this God. Yet everyone that day hears Jesus offering himself and his Father in heaven to them equally. Roman, Greek, Assyrian, Egyptian, Jew, God for everyone. Everyone? Matthew would note in other places the Jews, perhaps cross-armed. Really? Everyone? They just showed up. Where were you in our 400 years of slavery? Hmm? Where were you when we died off in the wilderness over 40 years? Where were you when the Philistines came over the hills? Where were you in the days of God's wrath? Pestilence, famine, Where were you during all the trials and tribulations? You just show up today and it's all yours? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. The second audience are those to whom the gospel writer writes and hears the story at its first retelling. Matthew alone tells this story in his gospel. Matthew, again, a Jew, was there that first day, and now it's not so much about Jews and Gentiles, but by those who knew Jesus, who, like Matthew, had spent years with Jesus, three years in training, that the path was sometimes uphill, yes, and narrow and thorny, and they hadn't walked it, he had walked it, and yet they simply hear the gospel. All they do is believe it, trust it to be true, and therein. Don't you know that discipleship is a long obedience 
in the same direction. It requires discipline. It requires sacrifice along the way. And you just believed and well, yes. Eternal ways of God. Third audience, you and me, anyone who reads this parable today or any day, recognizing that we're tempted, I'm tempted to say, <laughs> you didn't work at it like I did. You certainly didn't work at it as long as I did. And I'll tell you when you got the right to be heard. That can't be right. As the pastor of the First Presbyterian Church downtown all these years, I knew that our closest partner in mission was the San Diego Rescue Mission that's a block away. And we Presbyterians, prim and proper, perfect in every way, there's no other kind of Presbyterian, would overhear the story of a life that changed on a weekly basis, that turned around from darkness to light, from death to life, and learn to celebrate it. Yeah, they came lately. And yes, yes, it went through my mind and through my heart. You came awfully late. Yeah? And your youth would have been a good time. Would have saved you a lot of trouble, and frankly, us a lot of trouble too. But they came late. Some of them, yes, I don't think ever had a chance when I hear their stories of how they were raised. Some had a chance and blew it. How's that different than our stories? But coming late, we could see the especial work of God's goodness and generosity in their life too. And in Ladle, I'm very glad all along for the partnership in this ministry with you. This afternoon, the First Presbyterian Church, well with the help of other churches, and on August 6th, with your help, will feed 300 people, the hungry and the hungry at heart, the poor and the poor in spirit, the least and the lost. Wednesday afternoon, we'll have Bible studies, discipleship training. 200 will return for that. We'll see God at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still goes through my head. Pal, you could have saved yourself a lot of trouble. Sometimes in counseling, I'm tempted. This is not Jesus in me. This is just Jerry coming out. I want to say, forget all of these magnificent, by the way, magnificent sermons that I preach, in case you were wondering, in case you were reaching for words. And all the wonderful godly counsel I give you. If you had just listened to your mother, you wouldn't have gotten in this much trouble. But God reached them in just now. Why wouldn't I rejoice in that? This is art. This is the master crafting a short story retold now for 2,000 years using only the ordinary experiences known by all of us present to teach the stunning, surprising, unique ways of God in eternity. God's ways are above our ways. God's thoughts above ours. Who knows? But the last may be first, and the first last. What have we learned? Theological acumen. By this story, Jesus teaches us of God's grace. Grace is more than justice. Nevertheless, the all-day worker has got all-day pay. That is what they bargained for. 
You made them equal to us, they say. That's outside the contract. Those who came late had no contract, just glad to work. You call me at 5 o'clock to work, I get an hour. We'll have a little something to eat tonight. No matter how little, we'll have something. They are just glad to jump in the back of the pickup. There's no, there's no negotiation. They have, they have nothing to negotiate with. And then they experience this great generosity. Are you envious because I'm generous? Jesus says to the all-day workers. Mercy is the flower that grows in the crack of the big rock of justice. And water and grace is the water that flows over that rock. Grace is more than, not less than, justice. And justice itself is a grace. The all-day workers received it first. It was sheer grace that these workers were hired early not of their own merit, not left behind to wonder all day if they would have anything to eat at the end of the day. I did not choose to be raised by my father and in the faith of the church. An early start was and is a grace of itself. The selection early, we Presbyterians say without apology, the election was an early grace, the initial grace the full day's wage being offered and promised before a minute of work had begun. And more grace came to them and to us during the length of the day, if we're open to it. Security, all day knowing that we will have what we need while others remain worrying. We have mission and meaning, sense of place in the world and in the world of work, that work gives us all day long, and a relationship with the landowner all day long. They did not have that. Under no circumstances, under these circumstances, would we choose or switch places. And we're grumbling. Reward does not war against grace. Grace gives recognition that work is needed, good, possible. It's for me, too. Grace teaches a work ethic, that there is joy in the Lord's work. Grace works work into us. Grace works God's work into us. Grace teaches that reward, that work has its reward. And grace offers the joy of witnessing God's grace shown to still others. Luke will teach us this in his gospel by retelling the story that Jesus tells of the prodigal son. The boy didn't work all day. He skipped out as soon as he can in his youth. Maybe he was very young. And he goes to a distant country and he does everything but labor for his father. While his older brother, the elder brother, needs to do not only his work but now his younger brother's work. The younger brother comes back. He doesn't even come all the way home if you remember the story. The father runs out to meet him grants him everything, a return and a reconciliation and reward. The boy hasn't done anything except kind of turn back. The older brother grumbles. Hmm? Jack has taught you this, I know. The Greek word for elder used in this story is the word presbyteros. We get our word Presbyterian from it, really. The grumbler, wouldn't you know, 
is the Presbyterian. <laughs> to, be clear, to be clear, friends, we were there at the beginning of the day. We worked hard all the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the temptation is this, to forget that the initiation, the beginning, was an act of God's grace. Teaching work, teaching work ethic, giving health and strength to work all our days leaves me in a position never to be able to say, hey, I did this on my own. See what I accomplished. Worked hard at it, I got it. Yeah, 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 I worked hard at it. And I got it. And in that is God's grace. The elder brother, we don't know if he ever comes to that conclusion. The father says to him, this son of yours was lost, but now is found. The older brother can only imagine that son of yours never did anything. And the story ends, opened like that. Here, in this story, in Matthew's Gospel, a little bit more closure, where we can see how it is that the all-day workers and the late-arriving workers are all recipients of God's grace. So now some pastoral advice, if you're willing to take it from me, not your pastor. So Matthew's told these stories on himself. I need to tell this story on myself. For four wonderful years, Nadia lived in our home. Her father is the head of the Presbyterian Church in the Congo. There's more Presbyterians in the Congo than in the United States. And uh, went to high school, living in our home. And as her high school was ending, um, we thought, his father and I talked about it, that if she could go to college, this would be a good idea. Nurse, school teacher, two of the professions open to women in the Congo, and began to make plans and thought about some schools and got some applications and Diane, you need to fill out this application and write these essays. Feel free. I know you're shy about these things, but feel free to put your, your best foot forward. They're going to discount half what you say anyway. Uh, when they read the application, just let's do this, let's do this. She doesn't do it. Let's do this. She doesn't do it. Let's do this. She doesn't do this. And does she not want to go to college? Does she not know? Does she not know this is how the world works? It's competitive, yeah? It's hard. You just don't get to say, I think I like that college. They're, brochure, it's got good pictures, I'm going to go. You fill out the application, you write the essays, you pray, <laughs> you interview, you, and she just... Her father came to visit, and it was a delicate conversation. She is his daughter, not mine. Uh, we're glad for the stewardship that we were honored with. And I said, this is, Maluma, this is how this works. He's a college graduate, he knows. This is how it works, and this is what we need to do. And she's just... Could you, maybe you want to talk to... We're sitting at table maybe two weeks later. And Malumba announces, I've got an announcement about Nadia's college. I made a phone call to a friend. I know who the friend is. He's chairman of the board of one of the 50 Presbyterian colleges in the country. He has been the, I think, largest donor to the Outreach Foundation, uh, where Jack is the chairman of the board. And, um, I, and I've done a lot of work in the Congo. And Malumba gave him a call, and now Malumba's announcing what college she'll be going to and has a full four-year scholarship. I'd like to tell you how very happy I was. <laughs> but I'm a Presbyterian. I learned it early. No, that's not, that's not how the world works. We're teaching her the wrong things here. 
We've got to teach her how we work it, eh? Not how God works it, but that's cheating. Isn't that cheating? And it just, just it, but actually didn't. I caught it before it came out of my mouth. God gave me that grace. <clears throat> and I learned to celebrate it and with her, her four years of college. And I had forgotten my story. Next to my picture in my high school yearbook, it says Jerry Andrews, USMC. <clears throat> the older boys in the neighborhood had come back from Vietnam and for reasons that escaped me now told glorious stories about what it was like. So I want to follow them. It seems right and brave and good and patriotic and all those, all those things and kind of exciting. And Dad was okay with it. Maybe the military would teach me a few things. He failed. Uh, Mom was not okay with such an idea, but I graduated just after turning 17. I had a whole year almost to wait before I would be eligible. And did, well, if you ask my dad, nothing. Um, and my, so fall comes around. I haven't filled out an application. I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to be a Marine. Cool. Not cool, according to my mom. <laughs> She drives me down to the college that she had recently graduated from herself, and which favored her, introduced me to the dean, and stood over me, one shoulder, while he stood over me, another shoulder, and I filled out an application in his office. Classes had started on Monday. This was Wednesday morning, and I was sitting in a class, enrolled as a college student Wednesday afternoon. It didn't feel like grace at the moment. I don't think my mom was thinking in terms of grace at the moment. But a bachelor's degree, three master's degree, and a PhD from the University of Chicago later, maybe it was the right path. I'm, I'm not digging trenches. But there was a grace early on, and I'd forgotten that. And from the moment begrudged it to die. So easy. By this story, Jesus teaches us that God's grace can be witnessed as problematic, controversial, and be unwelcome, tempting some to grumble, yeah, yeah, or breathtakingly wondrous in its scale and scope, and to be met with the silence of joy. Advice, one, do not envy God's generosity, don't begrudge God's goodness. Gratitude, not grumbling, is what we say and how we speak. The all-day workers heard a rare tone in Jesus, take your pay and go. Judas will hear it, whatever you do, do quickly. Rejoice when a grace of God surprises. Participate in that grace and in that joy. You practice this, your Christmas in July. The Afghani recently arrived. You don't begrudge him the grace of a good job and enough with which to feed his family. The Ukrainian just now come, you don't begrudge her the hope of a college education for her children. Make no mistake about it, she's already plotting it. You and I, not escaping a war and torn land or a refugee camp, do not begrudge the recent arrivals to the shores of peace and prosperity. You know, because they will now have more, you do not have less but more. You are a witness of the gracious provision of God extended to those who come lately. Two, hesitate before you negotiate with God. You may get only what you ask for. They agreed on the contract, that's what they got. 
God is not limited in his giving to our sense of fairness. God's mercy, God's generosity is deeper and wider than our imagination. God's grace is stunning, surprising, surpassing all other gifts. Give it its full freedom. Respond to the call and experience the full grace of God all your days. Three, grace can come early. The first grace of this story is to be called at day's beginning. Do not spend the day worrying whether we'll have enough. Do not need to rehearse the worn out speech to the family in the evening. The life with God starts not at death, but now. It is a grace offered to all now. Enjoy it. Four, grace can come late. What were the five o'clock workers thinking? Can't have enough to feed my family. I remember the look on their faces when they were passed over early in the morning. And I've heard from my members over the years. If only I had started earlier. When I was young. When my children were young. God's grace did come. God is emptying out the waiting pool and filling the vineyard with workers. Five, pray. Pray at the beginning of the day. Lord, ask of me what you want. Bless me as you want. How might I be more open to your recruitment? Teach me to notice more your grace in each day. Teach me to express more gratitude each day for the day-long gifts. And then pray at the end of the day. Where did I miss seeing your grace today? Or possibly begrudge it? Give me this one further grace to show it, to see it, and to enjoy it. Let me be a witness more gladly of the eternal grace of being elected to salvation and service, of spending the day in the vineyard with you. Let me now at the day's end rest in the satisfaction of the day-long labor of grace with work and reward and always you. And pray, Jesus teaches us, that the Lord of the harvest will find more workers for the harvest. For the harvest is great, but the workers are few. That's another parable, another day. When I pray, I pray with gratitude. Thank you for my Father, that though he may have failed in his mission of teaching me the joy of all day long manual labor, he succeeded in showing me the joy of lifelong labor in the Lord's vineyard, laboring with others, laboring with him, and with you, Lord. What a grace. God's ways are above our ways, yeah? When the eternal enters our everyday, the first will be last, the last will be first, and grace will be given to all, the first and the last. Praise God. You? Called early? Are you ready to be grateful for the day-long work? Being called now, just now? Get ready for the grace of God that is coming for you. Five o'clock worker, planning a deathbed conversion? You know who you are, your wife just looked at you. <laughs> if that's true, you can talk to me after the worship service, we'll beat the deadline. <laughs> grace to you all. Let me pray. Let us hear you say to us this day, come follow me. Lo, I am with you always. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.
We're grateful to be blessed by the preached word. Will you please stand with me and affirm our faith together? And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Repay no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Amen.